This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Reynolds has turned the page to what's next by making it possible for you to retail anywhere. Discover your next chapter at reyrey.com slash me. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash me. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, February 10th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, good earnings news for one big supplier, bad news for another. Honda says the semiconductor shortage is bottoming out while GM scores a key microchip deal. And Redwood Materials wins a $2 billion federal loan. Plus, a look at the problem with storing customers' information on a salesperson's cell phone and other dealership compliance no-nos. To request a pay stub or take a picture of an insurance card or take a picture of a driver's license or a water bill, that's as of January 1st went up to just north of $50,000 penalty per incident. And unfortunately, it happens all the time in dealerships. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. North America's largest parts supplier saw an 80% drop in fourth quarter profits. Magna International struggled with higher costs related to electrification and its advanced driver assistance business, among other challenges. The company reported net income of $95 million in the quarter that ended on December 31st. That's down from more than $460 million a year earlier. The sharp decline comes even as quarterly revenue rose 5% to almost $10 billion. For the full year, Magna reported net income of almost $600 million. That's down more than 60% from what it made in 2021. Sales revenue rose more than 4% last year. Meanwhile, Borg Warner exceeded sales and profit expectations last year as it entered an inflection point in its bet on electrification. The suburban Detroit-based supplier is spinning off its fuel systems and aftermarket business and thinks it'll soon hit break-even on the EV side. Full-year sales increased 6.5% from the previous year. Gross profit increased 7%. For the fourth quarter, BorgWarner's gross profit soared 33% to more than $830 million on more than $4 billion in revenue. Honda says the global semiconductor shortage is bottoming out but the company still cut its global sales forecast as it warned that tight supplies will likely drag into the latter half of 2023. Japan's second largest automaker trimmed 250,000 vehicles off its sales outlook for the current fiscal year ending on March 31st. It cited lingering chip woes and uncertainty about the pandemic in China. Honda now expects worldwide volume to dip under the 4 million vehicle level to 3.85 million vehicles. This new target would register as a 5.4% sales decline from the previous fiscal year. Honda's previous forecast estimated a slight overall sales increase. The assessment comes as Honda reported financial results for the fiscal third quarter ending on December 31st. The automaker says operating profit rose 22% during the period, boosted by big foreign exchange rate gains. General Motors says it has reached a long-term agreement to increase its future supply of U.S.-made microchips. Semiconductor maker Global Foundries will produce components for GM's chip suppliers at its upstate New York headquarters and semiconductor manufacturing site. GM says the partnership should help the automaker reach its goal of using fewer unique chips in its vehicles, resulting in higher volume chip output and improved supply predictability. 
Production is probably several years away. It usually takes a long time to get such projects off the ground. The companies did not release specifics about timing or financial details. And Redwood Materials says it has received a conditional commitment for a $2 billion loan from the U.S. Energy Department. The loan would help build out a $3.5 billion recycling and remanufacturing complex in Nevada for electric vehicle battery materials. Redwood Materials CEO J.B. Straubel says the initial loan draw will help speed up production and help the company get to full scale quicker at its northern Nevada facility. The site has already started to produce copper foil for battery anodes. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, a look at how dealerships can ensure consistent, compliant processes and avoid big fines. That's next on Daily Drive. Reynolds & Reynolds recently announced a new logo and brand image to better reflect the company it is today and its vision for the future. Hear what Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, has to say about Reynolds' rebrand and the next chapter. I think, you know, if you look back, it really started, you know, probably two years ago with a new leadership team in place and the decision to kind of look at how we can be a better company and how we can better serve our customers and how we can help them be more successful. But it's really accelerated the last, you know, 12 months. This is a commitment to a new kind of company in my eyes and a new way of kind of cohabitating in the industry, helping our customers be more successful. And uh, you know, the marketing side of this is, I mean, it's certainly important to help to have a marketing organization that, you know, kind of takes your messages and makes them concise and, and impactful and, and broadcast that to the world. That's certainly a critical part you know, of what we're doing, but this is not a marketing program. This is you know, a company-wide initiative you know, to better serve the industry and to, you know, help us get to the next chapter uh, in automotive. Visit rayray.com slash me to learn more about Reynolds' vision for the future and discover your next chapter. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot -E com slash me. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. U.S. officials are cracking down on threats to consumer information, including in auto dealerships. Doug Fusco is the founder of compliance technology company Dealer Safeguard Solutions, which is now part of Informative. He spoke with Automotive News senior editor Dan Shine about the top compliance violations putting dealerships at risk. Here's their conversation. Doug, great to have you on our FNI Friday edition of Daily Drive. Thank you for having me, man. Excited to uh, go through a good conversation, hopefully, today on compliance. Yeah, so a little bit of housekeeping. Your background, you're founder of. Uh, compliance technology company, Dealer Safeguard Solutions, which is kind of along with Credit Bureau Connection and Credit Driver have been kind of rebranded into this new company, Informative, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So I know I want to talk a little bit about uh, compliance violations that, you know, dealerships should be aware of that, you know, could be putting them at risk. I think, you know, the safeguards rule, everyone's kind of talking about that and the June deadline for compliance on that, that people are kind of talking about these uh fraud and, and compliance and keeping financial records secure. And so I think it's a, a nice topic for our audience. So to start off, talk a bit about you know, one of the kind of violations that you uh, mentioned earlier when we talked about not having a way to kind of enforce a consistent compliant process on every deal. Uh, what should dealerships know about that and be doing to avoid any kind of violation? Well, it, it's been an ongoing challenge in dealerships across the country. Really, it's one of the driving factors that uh, led to starting the company 14 years ago. And it really comes down to 
you know, the disconnect that exists between what our policies say and what actually happens. The law calls out we have to have consistent patterns and practices, and it's probably no secret speaking generally. There are obviously exceptions to everything, but most dealerships across the country, the processes start to fragment the more busy they become. So nights and weekends are more challenging than a, than a Monday morning when nobody's in the showroom. You, know, you, you drill down one level behind that between training, turnover, how busy we are. It, it's just really tough to drive a consistent process without having a platform in place to kind of control all that. Is it just because of come down to training or has it come down to not having maybe the right tools? What kind of is a, a, are the barriers to you know, not really having a good, a good process in place. I think it comes down to execution, right? I mean, dealers for years have had their policies documented. Almost every dealer does periodic training on compliance and probably periodic compliance reviews, deal jackets, inspections. And that's once a quarter, once every six months, once a year, whatever the frequency is. And the other, you know, 359 days out of the year, 360 days out of the year where they're you know, running their business, it just starts to break down because of all those reasons. I haven't trained my staff in a while. I've got new people that come in. I haven't had the chance to train them. Or, you know, we had a crazy Saturday and it was either sell the car or do it right. And we didn't have time to do both because we didn't understand maybe. A uh, second one that you kind of noted, you know, there's a lot more digital deals. People, new consumer, want to want to do deals on their phone. So he's kind of talking about you know, storing consumer information on their cell phones or, or personal email. What's the danger in that? Uh, well, the danger is there's a big difference between transacting on a phone and, and collecting information on a phone. And the regulations grew from two pages to 145 pages on January 1st of 2022, specific to these guidelines. So there's a lot of scrutiny uh, right now. And, you know, to request a pay stub or take a picture of an insurance card or take a picture of a driver's license or a water bill. That's as of January 1st, went up to just north of $50,000 penalty per incident, right? And unfortunately, it happens all the time in dealerships. Most, if you walk into most dealership showrooms, and again, there are exceptions, there's private information probably on the vast majority of the sales team's phones, maybe some of the managers, maybe some of the BDC, because it's convenient, it's faster. And again, at the end of the day, as, as harsh as this sounds, it's not their name on the building. They want to sell the car and you know, if something happens, it doesn't typically get to them. Yeah, whatever is quickest, right? Yes. And, and most convenient. And then a lot of people are just trained to use their phone for a lot of transacting. And it's second nature. I, I had a customer that actually called me today, hired a salesperson from another similar franchise that brought with him an entire printout of the CRM customers. And our customers going crazy because they know that's wrong. It's an ethical issue for our customer. It's a federal violation for the dealership that let that leave, right? So it's it's significant on both sides. Another potential violation is not securely sending receiving consumer info for remote deals. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So uh, again, it comes down to convenience, speed, and and you know trying to get to the finish line. So if I spot deliver a customer and I've got to go get their pay stub and they're no longer here, my options are try and get them on the phone. If I get them on the phone, try and convince them to jump in their car, sit in traffic, bring it, you know, a half hour, hour to and from the dealership. And rather than do those, when I get them on the phone, the conversations in many cases, unfortunately, go to, you know what, I wouldn't sit in traffic either, Dan. So do me a favor, just snap a picture of that and text it to me or send it to my Gmail account, the email servers down. And again, every one of those is a $50,000 violation if that occurs and you ever get called on the carpet. And it happens far too often in dealerships today. Wow. It's uh, 
It'd be an expensive uh, lesson to learn. But again, I can see being in the in a, in a salesperson, salesperson chair. Again, like you said earlier, you know, you want to sell the car, and a lot of times, the customer doesn't want to be there that long. They're you know they are already antsy. They don't want to go through this long process. So you're trying to get them out the door while still making the deal. And you know, what can we do that's <laughs> easy? It's just here. Let me take a picture of my phone. Correct. You know, another item you kind of talked about earlier is the private consumer information left on you know, unsecured again on a phone or like in a, in a salesperson's desk. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, similar. You know, just think of the desk as a, as a phone again, right? So uh, I've got a credit application. I took a photocopy of the driver's license, a photocopy of the insurance card, a photocopy of the pay stub. Now we go out and do a test drive with a customer. Or I have another customer that walks in and needs assistance with something. So it gets left out in the open, falls under the same purview, the same guidelines as private information. And unfortunately, you know, today, as much as the showroom has evolved and F&I has evolved, where a lot more of it is now is digital, the paperwork still exists and the liability still exists in the showroom. Is the simple solution to go paperless for something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, that's you know, part of what the dealer safeguards platform is, is built around is it, it's impossible to leave paperwork in the showroom or lose it that no longer exists, right? If it's created, signed electronically, stored electronically, there, there's there's no hard copy to put the dealership at risk with that piece of paper. The challenge, you know, the dealership's set in their old ways or it's too much trouble or is there a cost uh, that make them not want to go paperless? You know, it varies. It, you know, dealers don't typically, uh, well, not, not dealers, salespeople, sales managers don't typically like to change, don't want to change the sales process. And a lot of times the folks that are selling cars want the fewest, fastest moving pieces between, you know, nice to meet you and congratulations, here's your keys. And even if change is good, it takes them a while to adopt to that. And once they get through that hoop, it's a different story. But, you know, anytime something's different, the view is that might slow me down or stop me from selling cars. And kind of the last item, you know, talking about again about storage and paperwork and all that, and not storing dead deals for the required five years. Is that just, again, a space issue or, again, maybe a lack of training or just we need to make room, let's throw, let's throw like, you know, this box of papers out? I think it's an execution issue that most dealers across the country would have a, a challenge passing. So if you trace the footprints of a, a, somebody that buys, they start in the showroom, paperwork goes to the desk, credit gets run, then it goes to F&I, sign all the contracts, and the paperwork goes upstairs. The deals that don't make it the whole way to the finish line, the dead deals, when they stop somewhere along the way, as soon as that customer's dead, most dealers may have a policy or may have a process that they want to go through. But when it's a busy Saturday afternoon and I've got three new customers, potential customers that walked in the door and I've got to administer my dead deal jacket and go put it somewhere, we all know what they choose. I'm going to go take my next prospect and I'll worry about it later. And, and that, that's become a big issue. There are actually attorneys right now across the country exploiting dealers because they know that's a deficiency. There was a case here in Dallas a couple of years ago where a dealer settled for $270,000 with an attorney over what started out as one dead deal jacket that they couldn't put their hands on. Costly penalties for, for not uh, taking care of what you need to take care of. In the minute or so we have left, talk a little bit about rise and fraud. I think, you know, every week when we're in the F&I office here at the Automotive News, you know, we get all sorts of stories about people walking away from dealerships with, with vehicles that they, you know, based off a, a fake ID based off uh, fake workplace uh, uh, history. Tell me how this is kind of the rise of fraud and, and the difficulty in, in kind of detecting it. Sure. Uh, we focus uh, 
largely on the, the ID itself, the driver's license. And the bad news is they've gotten really smart and they've gotten really good. They don't come in on a Monday morning when nobody's in the showroom. They come in nights, weekends, half hour before you close the last couple of days of the month. And their artwork is getting really good. It's really challenging to detect a fraudulent ID. And, you know, there's some patterns and trends that go along with it. I don't care what my interest rate is. I don't care what my payment is. I just I just want the car, right? I've got $1,000 to put down and that's it. Those are all red flags. And again, it all kind of ties back to execution. If I've got a, a system and a platform in place that checks the boxes as I go, every time I touch a driver's license, either in the showroom or request a license remotely, which you can do through the tool, then I get that hard stop right up front before I even get to the fake paycheck or the fake water bill or whatever. And unfortunately, it, it, we see it across the country because we track the fake IDs and it's, it's going the wrong direction. Interesting. Doug, we'll leave it there. Really enjoy the conversation. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. Appreciate your time. Doug Fusco is the founder of compliance technology company, Dealer Safeguard Solutions. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own John Irwin, Hans Grimo, Lindsey Van Hulley, and Kurt Nagel of Crane's Detroit Business for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on finance and insurance, suppliers, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a recap of all of the automotive ads during this weekend's Super Bowl. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.